<laughs> well, let's continue. We're looking at, this is week seven of this series. I'm just like, okay, let's just keep going. We're going to continue to walk it out. I've shared with you as we've talked about this, well, before I get started, I think Scott already welcomed our online guests. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us today. And uh, yeah, we've got people viewing from different states and all around, and God is growing a true life. We're excited because we've revamped our, our whole dream team and all of that, and we're really heading on a great journey, and we really feel the, the things coming together. Things are starting to sink, and it's, it, it's for such a time as this. But as we've talked about faith, I've told you about my struggles. I really can't tell you about yours because I don't really know them, but I can tell you about mine. So as the pastor, sometimes you know more about me than I really know about you. You know I'm ornery and you know uh, the things that happened to me. Um, uh, so, um, you know, the moments I've had where I've doubted or been double-minded or just plain was wrong and missing opportunity and, you know, and I'll continue to share my stories. And my hope is this, that when you can see, like, you know what, he's, you know, he's walking this thing out. He's made mistakes. He's figuring this out as well. And that maybe you can learn something by some of the things that I've done that haven't been right and go, I don't want to do that. You ever told your kids, look, don't do this. Sometimes they go, I'm doing it anyway. And you're just like, I can't help you then. I'm trying to help if I can show you some of the things that I found out that didn't work. I've told you stories about, remember the first time Sam, he saw the kingdom working in my life, and he said, Dad, I want, a, I want a, an eight-point buck, and he sewed, I think, like a 50 cents or a dollar 50 or something, you know, uh, and, and we went out, and I put him up in the tree stand with me. I sat him right between my legs. I had given him a 410 single-shot shotgun, bought slugs for that 410, and he said, I'm believing for an eight-point. We weren't in that stand Less than 15 minutes, and an eight-point trotted right out and stood broadside, and the gun wouldn't fire. My fault, because I didn't, I mean, the shells should have fit. I just assumed that they would. New gun, new shells, they were a fraction of something off, and it wouldn't allow the gun to close all the way. Wouldn't fire. We watched the deer trot away. My son was really disappointed. But later on, he got a 10-point deer years later. He had gotten a deer after that, but he had got a 10-point I believe, and, uh, and it's on his wall, and I've told you that story right now. And I told you the story where I sat in the white bucket. I believed God for an eight-point deer, and I fell asleep. It's a true story. I still remember that day like it was yesterday. <clears throat> I fell asleep, opened my eyes, and 10 yards from me is an eight-point buck laying on the ground, looking at me like, well, where's the party? And uh, so... I, I uh, was nervous, and I finally, my gun was up against the tree because I had my arms crossed, and I was, I was snoozing. So by the time I, I got my gun and, and tried to shoot the deer, he was gone, and my own fault. But the Lord brought the harvest, and I didn't capitalize on it. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. Because we've all been there. Maybe we've prayed, we've believed, and something happened, and we were like, yes, and God brings it, and we miss the opportunity. Has anybody besides me ever missed the opportunity? So then what do we do? How do we figure this thing out? Lord, you did your part and I messed it up. So here's the first thought for this morning. Now we've talked about planting a seed. And so if you're, if you're going, pastor's just talking about money. You, you need to get past that. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. I'm not talking about you know, taking your retirement account. And so I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about a point of contact. 
And we've, we've shared that. I've shown you biblical truth about that. It's just a point where you can release your faith. I mean, after all, my son would sell so 50 cents. You know, that's what he had, or $1.50. And I think when he got his 10 point, I think he had $2.50 in change. So plant another seed of faith. Even in the natural world. Now, see, here's the thing. We get messed up because we've been trained in the earth curse system. We've been trained in the old way of thinking. But even in the natural world, the earth's world, it's possible to miss the harvest when the crop is ripe. So let's, if there's farmers in the building or farmers watching me online, how many times does a crop mature during harvest season? One time. One. And if you missed the season and you didn't harvest it, one year we, made, uh, we had a garden and we had a bazillion pumpkins. I mean, we started with pumpkins. You know, kind of like you start out with a little bit and then all of a sudden they're like rabbits. We had pumpkins. We were giving pumpkins away. And there, you know, there's only so much. After a while, you're like, oh, what do we do with all these? And we, we had a bunch of pumpkins. But, um, you know, if you missed bringing something in, then it, eventually it spoils on the vine. Or, or, you know, you missed the opportunity when it was fresh. If we miss it, we sometimes don't get a chance again at that particular opportunity at that particular season. I get that. If you're on flight 206 and it leaves at 1020 and you show up at 1030 and the flight's already gone, you missed it. So, you know, if you still need to get to your destination, then obviously you're going to have to get another flight. This is my point, and this is why I'm taking a second just to try to slow down a little bit. If I tie everything back to the seed that I sowed and I missed it, for instance, my eight point that laid down and I got what they call as a hunter's buck fever. You know, I think I could hear my knees knocking. And he's, I mean, because he's right there and he's just staring at me. And he's not just a, okay, dear, he's not, he's real nice. I mean, he's got big tines, he's nice. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, why would an eight point lay 10 years? I'm in orange sitting on a white bucket. So I'm nervous, I missed the shot. If I tied everything back to that incident, my faith is affected because I missed the opportunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so I have to refocus on promises. If I've missed it due to something that I've done, then it, it kind of hinders my, my belief system because I've tied it back. I sowed a seed for this, God brought it, I messed it up. So I got to refocus on God's word and not my missed opportunity and disappointment. Because I could focus on, I missed it. And the danger is, if we focus on that, the enemy will tell you, you'll never get another chance. He's into condemnation. You'll never make it. You're such a loser. You couldn't have shot it anyway. The wind would have blew the buckshot clear away. It was a slug, but. but the same God that brought that opportunity. Now, I'm using it for deer hunting to show you the example, but it could be for something else. He could bring it again. He could do it again. How many knows that God is a God of second chances? So if I start over with a new seed of faith, 
whatever the Lord tells you, it can be something small. Again, it's just a point of release. Faith always has a point of release and a point of reception. I can forget the negative one. I already know I've learned my lesson, so now I'm going to start with a new seed and releasing a new expectancy. Remember, I'm not buying God. It's just a point of contact to release my faith, period. Circumstances will try to mess with you, won't they? The enemy will try to steal the harvest before it shows up. That's what he does. We're going to look at it in just a second. He, he comes for the word. He wants to get your focus off the promise, your harvest, what you're believing for, and he wants it off the word of God and onto the circumstances. Well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, does it? You haven't seen it yet. He wants you to see failure. That's what he wants you to see. And a lot of believers live like this. They get excited about the promise of the word says. They pray. They agree to receive what they need from God. Remember Mark eleven twenty four 24 says we believe we receive when we pray. And so they, they like that. But then pressure comes, and you need to understand it's not if pressure comes, it's when. Because the enemy is he is wanting to get you off track. So when pressure comes, a lot of people crack under the pressure. It's easier in ways to give in than to stay the course. Have you ever tried to pull dead weight up? Or just let it go. It's easier to let it go than to pull it up. But let's look at the word. I don't want to be double-minded. I want to stay focused. And let's see what the word says. Luke 8, 11 through 15. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have the devil come, take it away from their hearts, and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Since they don't have deep roots, they believe it for a while. For a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and they never grow into maturity. Seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and, and patiently produce a huge harvest. The, Jesus said the devil's going to come for your faith. You need to understand, the, the, devil, the devil knows the word of God cannot fail. The word of God cannot fail. This is where he gets us, but he knows your faith in the word of God can fail. So he comes for your faith. Your testimony. To put it bluntly, he wants to challenge God's integrity. What do you believe? I'm going to preach at youth camp here in just a little over a week. And the message I'm going to talk to them is simply this. Do you remember Jesus stopping Peter and he says, who do they say that I am? And Peter says, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're this and you're that. And then Jesus points at Peter and he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, man has not revealed this to you. You see, this is about something that's in your knower. If you were old school, it's in your knower. You know that you know. I know what Jesus did. I saw this happen. I've seen this. He did this for me. You cannot convince me anything else. I know my Redeemer liveth. 
And so because I know, I can't be persuaded any other. See, Paul said fully persuaded. We need more fully persuaded. The enemy wants your faith. He knows that the word cannot fail, but your faith in it is what he goes after. The word that is sown, he goes after what you believe. Jesus said the parable shows how the kingdom of God works in the hearts of men. So you will get tested. How you handle those tests determine what you receive from the kingdom of God. Sometimes we do better than others, but thank, thank the Lord that he's patient. Hebrews says faith and patience bring the promise. But if you hang on to the word, if you say, God, I believe that. I don't matter what I see. I don't care what it looks like. And we don't waver. It'll produce what it was sent to produce. Because the Bible calls the word imperishable seed. Imperishable means enduring forever. Hebrews says that God does not change. He is the same yesterday today and forever in the beginning was god the word was god that's what the bible says in john it doesn't change it's imperishable it endures forever but what happens is in times of testing we grow weary we get tired what is times of testing all mothers with toddlers could probably tell you some answer But it's false evidence that tries to convince you that the word isn't working or is not true. Again, the enemy is getting you to doubt the integrity of God. The word of God that you believe, that you sowed for, that you are believing to come to pass. That's what he's after, your belief system on that word. In the natural, you don't have any evidence, physical evidence. You don't see anything. You don't even see anything working. It looks the same. Can I, can I remind you, some, so many things are just coming to my mind i'm like oh god you're so awesome jesus spoke to the fig tree it should have had it looks like it should have figs but there wasn't he looks there's no figs he curses the fig tree you know the story the disciples the bible says the disciples heard him say it this is important they heard him say it turn to your neighbor and said he said it they leave they go into town 24 hours they come back the tree is dead and peter says hey hey boss the tree that you curse, check it out. Here's what you need to understand. The second he spoke to it, life was cut off. It just in 24 hours showed the results of what happened then. Are you with me? When he first said it and they're walking, they're probably scratching their head saying, that's kind of stupid. Tree didn't do anything to him. Why did he say that to the tree? You have a choice to make during testing. Stay with God's word or you can jump ship and become double-minded. Brett, I've, I'm just saying I've got a t-shirt on this. I haven't always stayed on board. So what do I do? Are you ready? Here's the answer. What do I do if I've jumped ship? And I messed it up or I missed my harvest. And we talked about it. We said sow another seed. But this is put it in... Layman's terms, start over. Just start fresh. You ever play basketball and we're okay? Oh, that one wasn't good. We'll start as soon as I make one. 
You ever feel like that? Well, you're just, you're just going to have to start over. So let's talk about authority. We're going to start over. That's our second thought this morning. You have authority. Use your authority. God's kingdom gets released by you and I saying and taking our place with the authority God gave Jesus and then Jesus gave you. It's delegated authority. Now, growing up, my sister and I, we could say whatever we wanted, well, within reason. But sometimes she, she was bossy. She's sitting over here, but I'm enough distance. She can't get to me. <laughs> growing up. And, but she would have, we would have the, the coup de, what the, the ultimate, if I, she would say, you have to do this. And I would say, I'm not doing that. She'd say, you have to do that. Not, and then she would say this. She could use mom's name or dad's name, but she would say, mom said, great. Now I have to do it because mom or dad said. And she'd be like, yeah, that's right. See, it's, it was delegated authority. You have you and your brother go, you guys have to clean up the yard or clean up. Heaven help us. We had to clean up the carport before. The carport was nasty. <laughs> we found a bat in the carport once, but that's a different story. But anyway, use your authority. Now, I want to tell you something, and I, I'm like, oh, Lord, that's deep. And I want you to listen to me. How many remember Daniel? When you were a little wee grasshopper, you heard Daniel in the lion's den. And you've heard about Daniel praying. And you've heard about the 21-day Daniel fast. How many have ever heard of that? Let me share something with you. So hopefully this will pull something out of a... Uh, Daniel lived... If he'd have lived in the New Testament, and he didn't, he, he lived in the Old Testament... I don't believe he would have had to wait 21 days to get the answer. In chapter 9 of Daniel, he prays and he gets an answer in three minutes. Chapter 10, 21 days. Chapter 9, three minutes. Chapter 10, 21 days. If you study it, you'll find out that God answered both prayers immediately. Same time. As soon as he prayed... Answer. Second prayer, 21 days, because of a demonic attack. The angel said he was fighting 21 days. You need to listen to what I'm saying. Jesus had not yet come. All power was given to Jesus when he came, died on the cross. All authority was given to Jesus and then delegated that to us. In the Old Testament, it didn't work that way. Jesus had not yet come. He could not exercise all the authority that we know and have. That's what I thought when I read it, too. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's pretty cool. I've watched deer go away. I've sat in the sand. I'm like, oh, there's my deer. And I've watched it go away. And I heard pastor, he had told me this, I read it in his book, and I, th and I thought, sounds crazy, but you know what? He's been right so far, and if it goes with the word of God, I'm good enough, to, I'll believe God. And I've said out loud, dear, that's my dear, you come back, you get over here, in Jesus' name. And the deer would stop, turn around, and come underneath my stand. I've seen it happen. And I thought, that's authority. 
if I wouldn't have exercised that and had my belief system in place, that would not have happened. But they obeyed. I'm going to prove this in Scripture. So if you're sitting there going, this is a little crazy, I'll get there. Authority is nothing to laugh at, nor is nothing to abuse. When I first started in ministry, I don't have this in my notes, so if you bear with me, I'm going to jump off of this for a second. I was, a, I was the oldest you oldest, sounds like I'm lifting, doesn't it? <laughs> suffering suck attack. I was the oldest youth pastor in my section. And when I started that, as the youth pastor, they had 53 students. 53, that's a pretty decent-sized youth group. I grew that group to 18. Because I went into that group, and I was different than the guy that was there before. They were all used to the way the guy was there before. And, and, and the kids liked me, but the parents are like, wow, I don't like this. And, you know, and there was just a lot of, but in, you know, and so there was adjustment. You know, anytime you have a change in, in personnel, there's adjustment. But that group ended up getting close to just under 100 students. God just exploded that group. We did some things. I did what he told me. But let me, let me go on with the story. We were in youth, and we had youth on Monday nights, which that was different for people. Some people are like, youth has to be on Sunday night. If it's not, it can't be anointed of God. And I'm just like, Sunday nights were created, y'all, a couple hundred years ago for farmers. You know that, right? They couldn't make, how many are still awake? I'm just asking. So, you know, whether it's Sunday or Monday, God still, he works. He, you know, it's all good. So we had all these youth in there, and, and the group was doing great. They committed in a uh, fine arts festival and had won different things, and ki- kids were growing and bonding, and it was great. And the pastor was happy, and God was doing, we loved that church. We were really excelling and god was blessing in that church mallory was just a little we hide our grasshopper there and she was in the christian school there i was the school counselor the gym teacher i was the senior commander of royal rangers which is a christian boy scout and i was one of the worship leaders so i played a guitar and i led worship and kim played the keyboard and so we were being used all the time and matter of fact i had to sometimes remember which hat i had on but in youth we were all in there, and we were just having, the kids were having a good time. We were getting ready for something, and a gentleman walks in. I've, I've shared this story before. I won't go into great detail, but he walks in, and he ain't right. He's a man. Now, I've got students, and I've got, I've got adult helpers there, but he comes in, and he ain't right. He's not working for the side that we are believing for. He's on the bad side, and he starts manifesting. Now, if you're saying, what's manifesting? I mean, he's acting up. He starts yelling and growling and twitching his neck and weird stuff. And, you know, and I got students that are screaming now. And they are all heading to this part of the auditorium. And I have all my leaders that are like, here, let me show you how to get there quicker. <laughs> and so I feel like I am all by myself. And I could have sang that song. All by myself. Don't want to be... But anyway, something inside me rose up. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Something inside me rose up. And I told him, shut up, sit down. And he just went, boom, sat down in a chair and was just going. 
like that. And people are like, oh, their kids are all huddled over in this. I don't know. But the bottom line is when this whole thing was over, I pried my leaders away from the students. Could you guys help me pray? <laughs> we prayed, and then, you know, just a few minutes, that man was free, and he left that building one whole person. And the students are all like, that was all what was happening. That's all they wanted to talk about for weeks. How'd that happen? PB, tell me how that happened. I'm telling you how this happened. The kingdom of God. This isn't all about just, you know, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. That stuff is a bunch of garbage. I'm talking about living your life on purpose with an anointing and the God-given. Something that he put inside you, given to you by Jesus, by dying on the cross, that delegated authority and anointing. I've had all kinds of things. We have sp- now, it hasn't happened every time because sometimes I think I'm in faith and I'm not. You ever have that happen? Because sometimes my, my, moti- my motive might be wrong and God sees it because thank God he knows your heart. But I've seen my wife and I, and we have, this is, sounds goofy. But I've prayed to rain and I've seen rain stop. Now, you might be a guest today and go, I am a just about out of here. You sound, sound like Mr. Tudball. Oh, Mrs. Wiggins, I'm getting there right to here, right to now. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's true. It's the Lord because we needed to get to the car. And I'm like, I didn't speak to God about the rain. I talked to the rain about my God. I need to get to the car and I can't be soaked because I got to do this funeral. I got to do this. And the rain would just barely come to a sprinkle. I get in my car and I'd be like, okay, God, I'm good. <laughs> People have been with me and saw it happen. Sounds crazy, but Mark eleven twenty two. I'll tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, lift it up and throw it into the sea, and it will happen. You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. PB, are you saying take the Bible literally? Yeah. Exactly. The Old Testament was a due covenant. You had to do this. If you did something wrong, bring these many turtle doves or do this, and you got to sacrifice that. The Old Testament is a say covenant because Jesus did all the sacrifice. He was the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to do all of those blood sacrifices again. His blood paid the price for you and me. On this memorial weekend, you need to understand, if nothing else, remember the one who died the best for you and those that gave our country freedom. Jesus Christ, the ultimate freedom. We have a part to play. Our words need to be spoken. We need to take the authority and put the kingdom into work, to put it in motion. Man living in a human body has been given authority on the earth. Let's look at some questions real quick. Why doesn't God just write a plan in the sky so everybody can see it? Why don't angels appear to everyone so they'll believe? I've, I've seen angels, but there's sometimes I've asked to see angels and I haven't. If God knows what we need, why do we have to ask for anything? Why doesn't God stop wars? Here's the answer. God is limited. He is bound by his own word. I'm going to show you some scripture here. His word says that man has complete dominion over the earth. You see, God still uses inspired believers to get the job done. He uses people like me and you, believers, Christians, followers of Jesus. And the enemy, as well, has to have his followers to do his bidding. Hebrews 2, 5, and 8 says this, 
Furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For, one, for in one place, the scripture says, What are mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. We have not yet seen all things put under their authority. In the beginning, man was put here to be ruler of the earth. He was large and in charge, so to speak. Everything was under his feet. Genesis 2, 8, 9. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, trees that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of, of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God himself put the tree of knowledge of good and evil smack dab in the middle of the garden. That's where he put it. Why did Satan have the ability and the right to tempt man and to get him to disobey God's command and not to eat the tree? Why was he even there? So I'm trying to pull this into some foundation. You need to understand, um, this, is what, this is what we're, I'll just, let me just say it. We were made a little lower than the angels. We were made in the image of God. Do you know you were made in the image of God? We were to rule the earth with delegated authority. God crowned man with glory and honor. That's delegated authority. That's what that's meaning. He was crowned with glory and honor. Man didn't have authority in himself. He was crowned with it, given it to him by God. God gave him that. So he was to rule with the authority God gave him. He had authority over the devil when he was placed in the garden. Man has authority over Satan. Had authority. Let me say it that way. He had arrived first, meaning the devil, the devil was here before man got here. You remember he was kicked out of heaven. Yes? Okay. All right. So in Revelation 12 and Luke 10 and 18, Satan was there because God placed him there. And he despises man because we were made in God's image. And we have been given authority. So the only legal way. So again, I'm trying to make this so we understand this. The only legal way the enemy could get it back was to take it from him that it was given to, to get it from man. So that's why the play was made on Adam, because the enemy had no other way to have a legal channel unless he could get Adam to give it away. As long as man ruled from God's delegated authority, he could rule over Satan. So Adam had to willfully choose to rebel against God's authority. So you need to understand the dominion over the enemy didn't rest in the physical body, but it was the anointing that he got from God, the anointing that man carried, that he was covered with. Luke 4, 5, and 7, the devil took him and revealed to him. Now, this is the enemy. If you remember, Jesus was out in the wilderness. He got, after he was baptized from the river, went out and was in the wilderness. So he took him up out in the wilderness, revealed to him, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And this is the enemy talking to Jesus. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Given to him, who gave them? The one who had legal possession of them, Adam. That's how he got them. That was his legal channel. When Adam chose to disobey, he lost the authority that he was given. The enemy took that. Now the enemy had that authority, and he was trying to now tempt Jesus with that. But you know that God never loses. He never loses, so he puts in plan the motion to get his kids back. Jesus had to legally pay the debt of sin, which would allow the Holy Spirit to bring uh, man back again, his, his spirit 
to bring life again to man's spirit. So to regain his authority, Adam once had started. Now think about this, that Adam once started. So he had to get the authority that Adam had, but he started back when Jesus came with Abram, and then he finished with Jesus. That's God's plan that he brought back Jesus in. Man once again had legal right to be called the son of God, having God's spirit in him, giving him access to God's wisdom. When we get born again, when we get saved, our spirit is what connects to God. And the reason that can happen is because Jesus had to go to the cross. The Holy Spirit then was sent. How many remember that? And so now that we can have that, we have the wisdom. We have all of these things that are at our fingertips because of what Jesus did. The disciples were excited. They found out that demons obeyed them. That's pretty exciting. Luke 10, 18 and 19, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes, scorpions, and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, Jesus' gang, his peeps, his, his homies. How's that, Rod? Is that okay if I say, all right, I'm rocking there. <laughs> Operated from his authority that he gave them. Just like my sister said, hey, mom said, dad said. She operated from delegated authority. I could say the same thing to her if we were you know, doing something that our parents had said. When somebody gets born again, they come out from under the dominion of the enemy to be in God's kingdom. Genesis 4, 7 says we become an heir. Not A-I-R, H-E-I-R. In Luke, he says, it's his pleasure to give us the kingdom. Philippians 4.19 says, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. As sons and daughters, we have rights to our father's house. My kids come over to my house. They don't have to ask me to get in the refrigerator because anything I have, they can use, they can eat, they can have. We tap into the kingdom because of what Jesus purchased by his blood. I don't have to beg for something that I've already got. They don't have to come. My kids don't have to say, Dad, I wish you'd just feed me. Like, There's food right there. Eat it. Jesus has already done it. He supplied it. He gave it. He made it. We just need to have the confidence to receive it. I love this scripture, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know he will give us what we ask for. And here's our last scripture for today, Acts 10, 38. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. <clears throat> God did the works. He put Jesus on, on assignment. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what he came for. Make a way to bridge the gap so that we could get back. That was the plan. And now Jesus has put that to us. We don't have to beg first. We just have to believe that this is what God says. We can do it. You know, just the other day, and I'm just going to say, we had, a, we had a core leader meeting, and it was a wonderful meeting. And like I said, we're turning in the right direction. We should have done it a long time ago. But on my way out, I think Andy, who's back in the nursery, you know, she watches the kids back there. She said, I have got a migraine. And, uh, and I don't know if she shared this with Scott or not, but she said, I, I got a migraine. Pastor, will you pray for me? And I, I turned to her and I said, absolutely. I said, do you believe that you should have that migraine? She said, no. I said, do you believe that it's going to go away? She said, yes. I said, then let's just do it. In Jesus' name, that's gone. She, I said, how do you feel? She goes, great, it's gone. It was just that easy. And you might say, ah. But sometimes it's just walking things out. 
Now, everything doesn't need, before you get all upset, well, does that mean I have to sow something financially every time I'm believing? I don't believe so. I believe you can, you know, there, there might be, you might be sowing time. You know, I'm helping somebody, so I'm sowing time into them, or I'm going to help them, or I'm sowing this or that. But it does come back to you. But if the Lord leads you to, to sow financially, then I would say sow it. And we've already went over that scripture. We already talked about how the Bible proves out that, you know, all things are specific seed and all that. We've already taught that. And I, I may review that at some point. But just look at the series. Go back and look at all these, and you can see we've lined all this with scripture. And here's the other thing. I got fruit. I can prove to you it works. I have people that ask me, how did that happen? Believe for it. How'd that show up? Believe for it. What? We, Kim and I just sowed. We believe for it. And we, we've always, we've always sowing for something, believing for something. And God is always moving because there's always active seed in the ground. It's just amazing the opportunities that the Lord will do. Do you believe him? So if you're going to walk this thing out, if you've ever missed the harvest like me, and if God said, well, just sow again. Maybe you don't need to sow again. I don't know. Maybe you have active seeds still on the ground. That's fine. Whatever he tells you, just do it. And just believe Then I can set my faith on what he said as my new point of contact. I'm believing now for this. sounds easier sometimes than it is though doesn't it because as you walk it out sometimes it seems a little easier i gave you a lot of scripture today and all of that and i understand but just to, to make it simple just believe if god said it that settles it here's my last thing you've heard me say it before sometimes i don't understand everything but i have to just stand under it sometimes i don't like Everything I, I hear, maybe even everything God tells me. Maybe he says, Brett, I need you to go apologize. I need you to do that. I don't, I don't want to apologize. Does anybody like to apologize? It's not on my top favorite list. I'd rather not have messed up. So that I don't. But sometimes you still have to. But yet there's grace for that. There's things that I'm just like, just, just do it. Just trust me. I'm going to have them put on some uh, soft music real quick, but I got one last story. My wife's probably worried I'm going to go off this. <laughs> and I'm going to close this out. Trust. Trust. You find out what you really believe in when it's tested. My, my grandfather, my dad's dad, used to say, you find out who your friends are, when you go through hard times. Has anybody found that to be true? They like you when it's good or when it's bad because true friends like you. Trust. I've spent my life trying to pour into my children. Daddy always keeps his promises. Trust me. I remember telling Sammy when that deer went away, Dad. And I'm like, well, God brought the deer. That's Dad's fault. I should have checked the gun. But he's still walking with the Lord today because he believed me. He trusted me. Trust is, a, is an issue that sometimes 
Sometimes it's hard to just accept. It almost has to be earned, doesn't it? But if you will trust God, you'll find out He's already done everything He needs to. And you can start seeing those things multiply out. It amazes me the love of God that if, you know, if the building, say, was on, was on fire, and I'm glad that it's not, except for the Holy Ghost, Glenn, we'll, we'll take that fire. But, and, and we had to get people out. My wife can tell you, my kids can tell you. I would come in and out of this building as many times as I could to get as many people out. But the first people I would get out would be her, would be Mal. But I'd probably have to fight over Justin Priority to be pulling her out, so wouldn't have to worry about that. And that's one reason I love that kid. I knew he'd take care of her, be Maddie. You see, because I'd be willing to risk my life for yours to get you out, but I didn't want to risk it for theirs. Does that make sense? I'd want to get them out first. And it baffles me that Jesus, he doesn't do that. He, he did it for everybody. He would get us all out. And that's what we have. We have a pass out of hell because of what he paid. Nobody saying you get more of a pass than me or, you know, because I'm human. I'd get Charlotte too. Better say that real quick. This is her birthday, too. So give her a happy birthday later. Or was it yesterday? Today. I knew that. I was just testing you. It's close. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is the thing. My kids, you know how they introduced, how they found out about God? Me and mom. Me and mom. They trusted me and mom. I haven't met Jesus, daddy. And then I'd say, let me introduce you to him. And they trusted us, and that's how they met Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, as you walk this thing out, we all make mistakes. I got, I'm full of them in the past. I'm getting better. Walk in such a way that if you mess up, the blood covers that. There's no condemnation. There's forgiveness. God, show me how to do this better. I messed up again. And he'll help you. And pretty soon, you'll see fruit from the kingdom of God. And you'll never be the same. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, please? Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those that are watching online, if you've ever said to yourself, Jesus, I need you now more than ever. Pastor, would you pray with me? With nobody looking around and those that are online, you can simply just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just put your hand up and let me pray. Yes, 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 yes. This is a great day. This is a time where you can say, you know what? I can do this. With God's help, I can do this. You don't have to be perfect. The cool thing about God is he'll take you just how you are. 
I have people say stuff like, well, when I get when I get all cleaned up, when I get right, then I'll let God. And can I just say, you'll never get right without God. We don't have all the capability to clean it right because it has to be applied by what Jesus did on the cross. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, everybody and those online, just say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I'm going to do my best to walk the rest of my life with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Give God a big hand clap.